0: If your happy ending is no more joint pain, please try Sierra Sill with a money-back guarantee. It's all natural joint pain relief that's changed our lives. Sierra, like the mountains, and Sill, like silicon. Go to sierrasill.com. Use the code DRIFT for 10% off. Hello, I'm Erin, and welcome to Drift, I'm delighted to share with you a short story from the legendary L. Frank Baum, whose name you know, of course, for having written The Wizard of Oz. But there are many stories he wrote in addition to what has become the classic tale of Dorothy and her adventures. This one, for example, the one I'm going to share with you now, is set in a child's nursery. And is about a little girl with an enchanted book. Before we get into the girl who owned a bear, we'll take a moment to mention that Drift is made possible by Envy Pillow. I first found Envy Pillow several years ago when I was suffering stress, neck pain—all those years of radio. Envy Pillow infused with copper, antimicrobial and collagen-boosting copper learn why, and so much more in the morning at EnvyPillow, that's EnvyPillow.com and sleep with the best. Let's begin here as we like to do with a few moments of relaxation. Wherever you are, whether in bed or a chair, perhaps you're traveling and just need that little nudge to take your mind off of everything. Thank you for being here. We'll start out with a deep breath in and out. Great. Now, as we do it this time, feel the breath entering your lungs through your nostrils or your mouth. Feel that life-giving air as you breathe in and now breathe out. I'm going to ask you to let your body feel heavy wherever you are. Lower your shoulders. Let your head feel heavy on your pillow or headrest. And now that your shoulders are doing a bit less of the heavy lifting, allow your arms and hands to just be limp. Take another deep breath in now and let that life go right down to your feet. And just swivel your ankles a bit and let them rest. Now to your calves and thighs, let them feel heavy. Your backside, your back, around to your belly. And finally, with one last deep breath in, your chest full, now out. Your whole torso, shoulders, neck relaxed. And if you would, just think these words. I am safe. I am loved. I am at peace. And if you're ready, let's drift. In a lovely white house on a hill, there lived a small family. Papa had gone to work for the day. Mama had gone into town to shop. And Nora, the nanny, was left in charge of the little girl of the house, whose name was Jane Gladys. Since it was Nora's day to polish the silver, she left Jane Gladys in her room to play quietly, which the six-year-old girl did happily, busying herself on this bright and breezy summer day. The girl never minded playing alone, she found myriad ways to keep her hands and her mind occupied. In fact, she was working on her very first piece of embroidery, a sofa pillow that would be her dear Papa's birthday present. As she heard Nora clattering with the silver in the pantry, she curled up in the bay window of her bedroom and used the perfect filtered daylight to illuminate her stitches. She bent her head over her work and carefully poked her needle in and out, in and out. Jane Gladys heard her bedroom door open and close again and paid no mind, assuming it was Nora, come to bring her some afternoon refreshment. She completed two more perfect stitches on her forget-me-not when she looked up to see that, no, it wasn't Nora at all in the middle of her room but a man she'd never seen before, with his eyes fixed upon her. He was short and fat, and seemed winded from his climb up the stairs. In his hand he held a silk work hat, such as one worn by a chimney sweep, and under his elbow he clutched to himself a rather large book. The man wore a black suit that looked old and worn and the top of his head was without hair, except that which was combed over from the tip of one ear all the way to the other. After a long moment of the child's gazing at him in astonishment, the stranger cleared his throat and said to her, Excuse me, miss, are you Jane Gladys Brown? Yes, sir, she answered. Ah, very good, very good indeed, he exclaimed while wearing the strangest twist of a smile. I've been looking for you everywhere, and at last, here you are. Regarding the man with suspicion, Jane Gladys asked, How did you get into the house? That is a secret, replied the man, in a bit of a whisper. His response was enough to put Jane Gladys on edge. The two eyed each other with equal amounts of gravity and anxiety. Refusing to show any fear and calming her voice, straightening her back and taking on a dignified air, or as dignified as a six-year-old could imagine herself to be, she said to the man, What is it that you want, then? Finally, he responded, we are getting down to business. All right, then. I'm not going to beat around the bush. It's about your father. My father? Whatever do you mean? Let me tell you, child, he said, not taking kindly to being interrupted. Your father has treated me most unfairly and behaved in a most ungentlemanly manner. At that, the girl got off her window sill and pointed to the door. Leave this room right now she said, with all of the authority she could muster. I won't hear you talk of my papa like that. He's the best man in the world. He was never unkind to anybody. Completely ignoring her order to go, the man continued. Well, allow me to explain. Your father may well be wonderful to you, as you are his daughter, his little girl, but to me he was quite nasty indeed. In his downtown office, he's inclined to be quite severe, especially on poor book agents like myself. For example, he continued, not giving her a chance to defend her father once more, when clearly she did not see the side of him that this man had witnessed. I called on him the other day and asked him to buy the complete works of Peter Smith. And do you know what he did? She shook her head, saying nothing. I'll tell you what he did. He ordered me to leave his office, just as you did to me here in this room. And when I refused, he had a custodian toss me into the alley with the garbage bins. What do you think of such treatment from the so-called best man in the world? Without missing a beat, Jane Gladys responded, I'm sure he was fully justified and was quite right. Oh, you do, do you? Well said the man. I won't take being treated this way, and since your father is big and strong, and his custodian bigger and stronger, I'm going to teach his daughter a lesson instead. At this, the child began to show her fear. Her eyes grew wide, her voice less confident, as she asked, What, what, what are you going to do? Taking the book from under his arm, he presented it to her. I'm going to give you this book. Then, sitting at the girl's desk, he took from its drawer a fountain pen and added, But not before I write your name in it. How do you spell Gladys anyway? G-L-A-D-Y-S, she said, the puzzlement with the man's actions clear as day on her sweet little face. When he had finished writing, and waving his hand over the ink to help it dry, he closed the book with a solid thump and handed it to her with a bow. Take this. This shall be my revenge for your father's shoddy treatment of me. Maybe he'll be sorry he didn't buy the complete works of Peter Smith. Good day, my dear. He walked to the door, gave her another bow, and then left the room. And just as she watched him go, Jane Gladys could see that he was laughing to himself, as though he was very much amused indeed. When the door had closed behind the strange little man, the child sat down in the window again and glanced at the book. Hmm, I wonder what this was all about, that my father just turned away. It had a red and yellow cover and the word thingamajigs was across the front in big letters. Then she opened it curiously and recognized her name, written in big black letters upon the first white page. Goodness, wasn't he a funny little man, she said to herself deep in thought. She turned the next page and saw a big picture of a clown, dressed in green and red and yellow with a very white face with triangular spots of red on each cheek and over his eyes. While she looked at this, the book suddenly shook in her hands. The page crackled and creaked, and then that very same clown jumped out of it and stood upon the floor beside her, becoming instantly as big as any clown she would see at a local fair after stretching his arms and legs and yawning. How rude, she thought. He gave a funny chuckle and said, Oh, now this is better. You don't know how cramped it gets when you're standing so long upon a page of flat paper. You didn't expect this, did you? He asked, leering at the startled girl, whose mouth was wide open in astonishment. Then. As he turned to take in the whole bedroom, Jane Gladys burst into laughter. Look at your back! It's all white! You're only a clown from the front! Well, what did you expect? asked the clown, not looking nearly so cheery now. The artist made a front view of me. No one was supposed to see my back, so that's all he drew. As the girl continued to laugh, The clown sat down and crossed his arms. With a sulk, he said to her, I'm not the only thing in the book, you know. Coming back to her more serious self, Jane Gladys turned her attention to the book as she licked her index finger and went to the next page. She barely had time to register that there was a monkey on that page when it sprang from the book with a great tearing and crumpling of paper and landed right next to her on the window seat. The creature chattered merrily and sprang from the child's side up to her shoulder and then over to the center table. How much fun is this? Now I can be a real monkey instead of simply a picture of one. Jane Gladys eyed the monkey and said, But real monkeys don't talk. Oh, really? You've been a monkey, have you? the animal replied with impudence. Then he laughed loudly at his own wit, and the clown laughed too. By now the girl was quite puzzled, bewildered even. So stunned was she by these two turns of events that it didn't even occur to her not to turn the page of her book. So carelessly she did just that, and off the page rose a donkey whose hooves tried to gain a hold on the window seat, but it clambered to the floor. Well, aren't you the clumsy one, said the little girl. What's wrong with that, he asked. You'd be clumsy, too, if you'd been drawn all out of perspective. Whatever do you mean? Well, my legs are all out of whack. It's like if the artist didn't know how to draw a donkey, he shouldn't have bothered, right? I can barely take two steps without toppling over. Oh, I see, answered Jane Gladys. My ears are too big, screeched the monkey, while the clown complained about being blank on the back. This airing of grievances was interrupted in the most dramatic of ways when once again a creature erupted from the book with a flash. Suddenly over Jane Gladys's shoulder, was a golden spotted leopard. It sprang forth and landed not on the window seat, but on the back of a big leather armchair, although it struggled a bit to find its balance. Once it had, it turned towards the girl, the clown, the monkey, and the donkey. The last of the lot tried to run away, but of course he fell over. The clown grew even paler than when first he tore from the pages of the book, and the monkey, the monkey, climbed to the top of the room's chandelier and chattered in fright. The leopard seemed to survey them all, his tail whipping from side to side. "'Well, get it over with,' said the donkey as he lay on the floor. "'Who are you going to eat first? I can't attack any of you, said the leopard with a snarl. The artist drew me with my mouth shut, so I have no teeth. And he also forgot to draw claws. But I still look frightening, yes? I guess so, said the clown, not entirely convincingly. Well, this annoyed the leopard, and it growled something fierce. Amidst the tense air in the bedroom, the girl forgot for a moment the book in her lap, and it slipped to the floor. Just as she dove to catch it, one of the pages near the back opened wide. Jane Gladys had a moment to glimpse the fierce grizzly bear peering from the page and was able to throw the book away from her to the center of her room. It landed with a crash but the great grizzly had wrenched himself from the page before the book closed. Now there was danger in the room. As the leopard quite rightly pointed out, unlike him, the bear had been drawn with teeth and claws. I have indeed, said the bear with a low, deep growl. And don't I know how to use them? for if you'll pick up that book again, you'll see that I'm horrible, cruel, and without remorse. In fact, he continued, licking his big bear chops, the only thing I'm known to do is eat up little girls, shoes, ribbons, dresses, and all. And then I smack my lips and glory in my wretchedness, Why, that's awful, said the donkey, sitting up as best he could and shaking his head with sadness. Why on earth would the author make you prey upon little girls? And before the bear could answer, the donkey asked with concern, Any word on whether you eat or other creatures as well? Nope, said the bear dismissively. Just children, girl children. Well, then, remarked the clown with a sigh of relief, be our guest. She was not very kind about me having been drawn on just one side. And she did laugh about my legs, said the donkey. Wait a moment, interrupted the leopard. You all poked fun at me for not having teeth or claws. So you deserve the same fate, in my opinion. Mm, maybe I'll have you all for a feast, said the bear thoughtfully. As you can well imagine, Jane Gladys was not at all happy hearing this conversation. In fact, she was downright frightened, for clearly the bear had set its sights on her. Now she understood why the strange little man had given her this book and said that it would be revenge upon her father, for in these pages was the means of her demise. Oh, dear, surely Papa would be sorry indeed that he hadn't bought the complete works of Peter Smith when he came home and found not even a ribbon or a shoe by which to remember his daughter. The bear stood up on his rear legs, looking taller and more fierce than ever, if that was even possible. This is how I look in the book. Now, watch me do my worst. As he balanced precariously on his hind legs, he advanced slowly toward Jane Gladys. But before the grizzly reached her, Jane had a sudden thought and cried out, Stop! You can't eat me. It would be wrong. Why? asked the bear in surprise. Because I own you. You're my private property, she answered. Where do you get that from? said the bear, who couldn't conceal the disappointment in his voice. Easy. Look here. The book was given to me. My name's inside it. And by rights, you belong in the book. So therefore, you don't dare to eat your owner. The grizzly paused and looked at the clown, the monkey, and the donkey, who were sitting very still on or near the window seat. Pointing his meaty paw at them, the bear asked, Can any of you read? I can, said the clown. Then see if she is telling the truth. Is her name really in the book? The clown picked it up and looked at the name. Yep, there it is, said he, Jane Gladys Brown, right there in big black letters. The bear sighed. Then I guess I can't eat her. What a disappointment that author is. Not as bad as the artist, exclaimed the donkey, who was still trying to stand up straight. It's no one's fault but your own, Jane Gladys said sternly to the group. Why didn't you stay in the book where you belonged? The animals looked at each other in embarrassment, and the clown blushed under his white paint. Just then, the doorbell rang loudly. It's Mama, cried Jane Gladys, jumping to her feet. She's come home at last. Now, you stupid creatures! But she was interrupted by them all, making a rush for the book. There was a swish and a whirr and a rustling of pages, and in a flash, the book lay upon the floor, looking just like any other book, while Jane Gladys's strange companions had all disappeared, never to return. The author L. Frank Baum ends this story with a lesson that we must all think quickly and clearly upon all occasions. For if Jane Gladys had not remembered that she owned the bear, he probably would have eaten her before the bell rang. (laughs) But that's not how our stories go here, as we want you to have only the gentlest of thoughts. And that's what I wish you now, as we say, drift off. And sweet dreams.